Welcome to the Baker McKenzie Latin America EMI podcast series, focusing on sector-specific issues that are impacting the players of the energy mining and infrastructure industry. You are listening to the Latin America Infrastructure Amid COVID-19 podcast. It is our pleasure to introduce our speakers. Carolina Duque, Banking and Finance Partner from Bogota, specialized in project finance. Enrique Friso, Projects Partner from Trench Rossi Watanabe in Sao Paulo. And Rodrigo Diaz de Valdez, Disputes Partner from Santiago. We will begin with opening remarks by Carolina Duque. Hello, everyone. This is Carolina Duque. We want to welcome you today to our podcast, Latin America Infrastructure Amid COVID-19. We hope you find this conversation useful for your business activities in the infrastructure sector. Jointly with Enrique and Rodrigo, we will provide insights from our experience in dealing with the most relevant issues and opportunities facing infrastructure companies due to the COVID-19 effect and particularly measures adopted by governments to deal with this pandemic. Of course, this is not an easy situation. We are all aware that this is unique and it is affecting simultaneously individual health and lives around the globe. And that the most effective action to hold the curve seems to be an unprecedented general lockdown. As a result, industries have been shut down, ratings are being downgraded by international agencies and employees are losing their jobs. In this scenario, however, infrastructure and construction of civil works in general are the main motor to reactivate the economy. And, and this is particularly true for developing countries that are being built as we speak, not only infrastructure, including social, but renewable energy and oil and gas projects are being either structured, awarded, or developed around Latin. For instance, Proinversión in Peru recently launched its 2020-2021 project portfolio with an estimated investment requirement of about $5,000 million for 23 projects, including a massive gas distribution project, two hospitals, and a road called Longitudinal de la Sierra Tramo 4 of $464 million. Also, according to Mexico Project Hub, there are 226 new projects involving transport, water and environment, and real estate. But to help us start understanding what is going on, on in the Latin America infrastructure sector, I would like to ask Enrique what you are seeing in terms of commercial and regulatory updates in the Latin America jurisdiction. Thank you, Carolina. Well, there's not a clear perspective of what will happen with infrastructure projects in the region. Most of the countries have not enacted regulations specifically to infrastructure in general. We have seen some movement in specific industries, mainly, mainly those uh, regulated like power. In Brazil, for instance, power projects were paralyzed. There is an initiative to verify the impacts for the players and develop a, a sector assistance package. Uh, there are some hard impacts also for the, the, the companies in terms of revenues. For instance, uh, the government has determined the suspension uh, or that no suspension of uh, payment uh, of services due in case of lack of payment for from the users. In Colombia, the tolls 
for the highways have been also be released for this time period. So we have seen a lot of impact in terms of uh, uh, demand and, and revenues. So what we have seen though is that most of the, the countries that have declared uh, uh, lockdowns or isolation measures have declared that the infrastructure projects are essential activities, so they are excluded from, from those measures. Uh, in Colombia at the beginning, uh, it was declared that uh, construction should stop, but then they reconsider, which is of course good for the, the, the companies working on those projects, but on the other hand, may complicate the claims for force of majeure because uh, there will be no specific order to paralyze. Uh, so the company will need to demonstrate specifically what were the indirect impacts that uh, affected that specific project. Well, with the exception of those cases where tariffs or measures against defaulting clients were suspended, uh, we'll see that uh, the companies will need to show, for instance, that there has been an impact in terms of suppliers or uh, there has been an increase of the price. So they will need to go and open the justification, a broad justification just to say I've been affected to COVID will not probably work. Uh, <clears throat> as most of the, the countries in the region follow a civil law system, the force of majeure, uh, hardship or excessive burden theory is implied in the contract. So even if it's not there, you can try to claim. But in our systems, the, 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 the counterpart to that is you have to, as I said, evidence. And evidence, evidences of damages or, uh, or loss of profits are quite difficult in, in our region. The operators itself, they have a, an obvious impact in the fall of demand. This is an indirect consequence, but it's something that will be very tangible to, to assess. So there will be a lot of discussion on the right of indemnification or, or rebalance of the contract in case of drop of demand. The government will most likely try to consider those as a business risk uh, that, they should, that the project owner should take. Uh, but in the end, I think that this will be very difficult to, to support. So uh, the question will be more how to recompose or rebalance those contracts. Uh, the government will be broken, so probably the paying of ad additional indemnification will not work. So we, we live with the two alternatives, which is reducing investments or extending the term. Uh, the Colombian government has already finalized that they will follow the extension of term approach. But this is a question, is this something that they can impose on the parties? Because perhaps extending the term of the project will not be financially viable because the, the return of investment sometimes have to be earlier. You have the payment of, you know, the, the investment, etc. So this is something that has to be discussed. And I think that we will generate a lot of discussions here in our region. And finally, uh, another point that we have seen during these days is for new projects uh, uh, that were tendered after the COVID has taken place. So they, they asked us if the regular force of majeure clause would be uh, protective. And our opinion is no, because the unexpected part of the, the force of majeure is no longer present because you already know that you have the crisis, you have the pandemic. So if you have quoted or offered a proposal, this you should have taken that into consideration to define whether it, it was viable and the respective cost. 
So our recommendation to, to our clients is to try to craft a little bit the first commercial clause to set a database for what is the, the current situation and the situation that I'm considering for the performance of the contract. And if things aggravate because of new government orders or because additional fall in demand or broke the economy to do whatever, you have a, a, a good claim to say this is what I was considering, and this is what happened. So I need a, a rebalance here. So this is something that uh, uh, we have been discussing. So I think that you have to take care for new uh, contracts that have uh, force of majeure clauses. And uh, Carolina, Latin America is dealing with a shift in the regulatory uh, uh, climate. So companies must adjust their business to the new playing field. What have you seen in terms of public and private contracts? Uh, I think that uh, the the suppliers also is a very important part. So what have you seen in that regard as well? Well, there is a lot to say here, Enrique. For instance, in Argentina, infrastructure projects were suspended and companies are working on the renegotiation of current contracts with suppliers. Also, they are hiring bank loans to pay wages and trying to obtain extensions to pay taxes. In public infrastructure agreement, parties are considering the suspension of fines and sanctions due to COVID-19. In the case of Brazil, Brazil is facing similar situation where the contractual discussions are based on the concept of force majeure, but up to date, there is no relevant caseload of judicial decisions dealing with the question as to whether COVID-19 is a force majeure. However, we do expect that those decisions will come in the next couple of months. Also, uh, infrastructure companies in Brazil are engaging in discussion and negotiations with business partners to avoid judicial disputes. Among the main concerns of infrastructure companies has been the continuation of their activities, contractual issues, and how to prepare for and deal with potential labor situations. There is still no relevant news of important companies in the sector needing to deal with insolvency matters, and this is also very important for the sector, but deception has been the air company sector for which the federal government is preparing an incentive package, as it is also the case for Mexico. In Chile, we are not aware either that infra companies are on the brink of insolvency, where it is threatening retail and commerce, but it hasn't escalated to the level that it impacts infra yet. Having said that, the government is proposing regulation to treat finance of insolvent companies as preferential creditors. This is under discussion. But should that occur, infra companies may receive a lifeline in case they face financial risk. And this is also true for Colombia, Enrique. Last week, the Colombian government issued new regulation to deal with insolvency issues due to the pandemic. And it created a super priority level of creditors when they fund the debtor in bankruptcy after the commencement of the reorganization process. It also allowed banks to capitalize its debts and created a new type of instrument called risk bonds that is under further development. For roads, toll collections were suspended, as you previously mentioned, and the traffic has been significantly reduced, triggering liquidity issues for concessionaires. Also, uh, in Colombia, infra projects were not exempted from the isolation measure at the very beginning, but since last April 13, they were allowed to continue working. 
Oh, I forgot to mention that Chilean courts have not yet started issuing rules determining whether the COVID-19 effects could be construed as a force majeure event or not. However, we have been required to prepare settlements and other forms of agreements in which parties recognize some of the COVID-19 events as a force majeure. In this regard, uh, we have been solutions around the following. In realty-related contracts, for instance, uh, we are discussing to lower or postpone, or a mixture of both, rents, progressive payments, and higher purchase installments. Regarding construction contracts, uh, among the solutions are to extend contract terms, ways to penalties, liquidated damages, but as of, as of now, not to give additional cost. And regarding supply contracts, uh, the solutions are being discussed around the suspension of service and to waive the penalties liquidated damages too. The situation is similar also for Mexico, where infra companies are negotiating with their suppliers based on the concept of force majeure too. But this situation is evolving into a new normal, Enrique. When we refer to this, we are talking about the new government measurements and financing scenario. What are your thoughts about this, Enrique? Well, Carolina, I think that uh, the immediate effect that governments in the region will find uh, a much difficult scenario for financing, because uh, as we all know, the government are putting a lot of measures to, to support the industry, support the population during this crisis to give some minimum wage. So there's a lot of movement in this regard on the region. So what we are going to see is that the, the government will not, not have money to go to co-funded projects like PPPs. So I think that uh, for the, the future, for the next three years or so, we will see our, uh, uh, reducing the number of projects that are eligible to a PPP project. So we may see a, a shift for the concessions model, which of course brings the difficulties of transforming a, a PPP project into a self-sustainable concession. Uh, one of the ways is to reduce, again, investments or uh, the obligations on the concessionaire, but sometimes it is not possible. Then the only resort is really to increase time. But then will be the, the project uh, interesting if you uh, project the return over the investment investments for the future more than what should be uh, a marketplace. So this is a, a, a question to be solved, and we are going to see in the next years. So with less funding coming from the government, the parties will need to seek financing from private financial institutions, which uh, we know all that in the region is somehow a challenge. Uh, usually the financial, the private financial institutions, they don't go to long-term financing and mostly the, the projects are funded by the, the national development banks. For instance, this is what happened in Argentina, Mexico, and and Brazil. Uh, we are going to see less participation of the government. So basically, the government, uh, it, it will be very difficult for the government to uh, finance the capital investment during the construction phase of a project, which was also a common source of uh, early revenues in the, in the concession contract. So uh, we are going to see how the banks will react. But I think it will be a tougher period also for the, the private institutions 
So we have seen, for instance, in Chile, the interest rates are escalating. There's a lot of concern in Brazil if there will be enough uh, credit for the market and what are the, 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 the risks that the bank, banks are willing to accept. So I believe that uh, there will there is a need of the, the government to sit with the financial sector to discuss how they will work together to uh, avoid a shortage in funding for the project. So this is something that I think is the, the most immediate impact. Uh, now, we see also some opportunities, especially some sectors that were not uh, in the mainstream of investments, let's say, and which were basically handled by the, the very operators of the system. So I'm talking about the healthcare sector. I see that there will be uh, a lot of opportunities because we, we see with the crisis that uh, there is a huge deficit in, deficit in the healthcare attention and also on the, the production of medical devices, drugs, et cetera, that are necessary to treat people. So both in the, the service, the health assistance service or on the production lines, we are going to see uh, more projects coming on, especially because the government will see the importance of this, uh, to have these products uh, in their country. So a domestic production of vaccines, medical devices will be seen more and more as a, uh, as a national interest issue. We have seen that already in the US, for instance, they funded the flu vaccine manufacturing plant in, in the US because they considered that this was a, 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 an important measure to avoid pandemias. Brazil had also some programs in the past to nationalize the production of vaccines because they also realized that this was important and uh, the, the medical supplies are usually scarce. And we may see more and more governments awakening to this reality. So I think that the infrastructure investment on this part will be uh, uh, a good opportunity for the future, good investment candidates. Uh, this is what we are seeing in terms of a new scenario. Uh, Rodrigo, do you have any other remarks or there's anything else that you should uh, complement here? Well, thank you, Enrique. As Carolina explained in her introduction, we are in the midst of a turbulent scenario. Circumstances that were foreseen at the time of entering into a public and private contract have changed. Hardships, force majeure, variations, delays, insolvency, these are legal concepts that have come rapidly to a scene in the infrastructure sector. Unfortunately, COVID comes along with contractual and legal conflict. Still, in my view, companies are now in negotiation phase. Try to avoid dispute. This is obviously what I would suggest as a general rule for all those legal counsel and in-house lawyer that are listening to this podcast. Remember that a bad settlement agreement are frequently better than good litigation. As you know, litigation involves additional costs and uncertainty about the outcomes. For that reason, be aware about the alternative mechanisms of dispute resolution like mediation or direct negotiation can be of much utility in this time. But however, 
sometimes litigation and arbitration may be the only role to solve dispute, especially when you don't have in front of you rational offers. My suggestion for the companies in the infrastructure sector is to be aware of the critical potential dispute arising out of COVID. Prepare for the battle. It's important to make internal assessment, reality check of your arguments and evidence. Involve your legal counsel right from the start. In my experience, those companies that involve their legal counsel from the start usually improve their position for negotiation, avoiding litigation. Of course, some negotiations are more commercial influence. Anyway, involve your legal counsel. Be aware with potential evidence. Instruct your team to be careful when drafting emails and communication with supplier, clients, principals. Be aware of the utility of written evidence in a potential litigation or arbitration. The same count with potential witnesses. Finally, I want to say some words about public infrastructure contract and potential dispute with the government. In Colombia, the government suspending the toll collection in Concede Highway. Carolina mentioned the case of Argentina, where the parties are considering the suspension of fine and sanction due to COVID-19. Whether negotiation with government fail, local competitiveness will need to recourse to litigation or arbitration against the state. This pulled out to test the different conception regarding the public contract as they merely administrative in nature or are applicable private law principle on the contract. How is the economic balance of the contracted protected? These are difficult questions. In the case of the foreign company, it's important to be aware of the international investment treaties that may be applicable for the protection of foreign investors. As Enrique said, governments in the region will face a harder time in terms of ability of found and financing infrastructure projects. Possibly several public projects will be paralyzed, investment may be lost, expected profit will not arrive. Indeed, governments in the region are in a difficult economic moment and in the middle term, it's possible that we will see an increase of infrastructure projects resorting to investment arbitration before the International Center for Settlement of Investment Dispute. Uh, well, uh, this is the idea. And finally, we want to thank you again for joining us in the Latin American Infrastructure Amid COVID-19 podcast. On behalf of the Latin American Energy, Mining and Infrastructure Team, we are happy to provide further insight and answer any question you may have.